Welcome to the Commercial Matters Podcast. Your show host is Amit Kapoor, owner of Mindful Contract Solutions. Nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal advice. Hi folks, this is Amit Kapoor. Welcome to another episode of the Commercial Matters Podcast. So we have been on this series on supply relationships. And the last four episodes, we have been looking at different scenarios that have got the potential of upsetting what might be a well-formed relationship between a buyer and a supplier. Today, we're going to be looking at the problem the other way around. Rather than focus on specific scenarios that can cause disruption to relationships, we're going to look at the kind of best practices you can put in place so that relationships can prosper. So effectively, we look at do's and don'ts of how you govern relationships in a program. To begin with, we look at three don'ts things that you shouldn't be doing in a relationship with a supplier. So let's start with point one. Point one is to recognize that relationship is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end and the end is a successful outcome of the program that you have engaged a supplier on. Some of the organizations I've worked for in the past have treated relationship as a separate box, as a separate set of activities that are required between the buyer and the supplier. So effectively, there's been a specific relationship manager or a vendor manager looking at just the relationship aspects of the arrangement, whilst the rest of the stakeholders from both the buy side and the sell side are doing their regular interactions in a way that suits them day in, day out, without really any level of influence by this relationship department that the organizations have agreed to have. I mean, to take it a level further, some of these places have also had specific forums around managing relationships. So these are forums that talk about improving the culture in the organizations, between the organizations, and making sure that the right team building activities. Now, don't get me wrong. I think these things have a place and a successful program will make use of best practice around team building. However, what I have a problem with is if that responsibility sits with someone completely disconnected from the program, there's got to be a level of buy-in from the people who are actually engaged on a day-to-day basis between the organizations into such team building activities so that relationship can be a part of how they deal with things on a daily basis. So in summary, point one is about keeping relationship integral to how you do everything with your supplier. So that's don't number one. Don't number two is that it's not advisable to deviate from the contract in a bit to keep relationship. The one common phrase that I hear on many programs is lock the contract in the cupboard. Basically, which means once you sign the contract with your supplier, you should then lock it away so that the two teams can go about building a relationship and doing work in a manner that suits them and you never have to look at the contract again. Now, obviously, as someone from the contract management profession, I take an exception to that. Not so much to keep me employed, but mainly because when things do go wrong in contracts or in relationships and you eventually have to resort to formal procedures of rectifying or correcting disputes on the program, then the rules that apply to those resolution are less predictable if you have deviated from the contract. What this really means is 
if this kind of matter goes to a court, for example, the first thing that the court would look at was the share of risks that each party accepted in the contract by looking at the contract itself. Now, if in fact both sides have moved away from the contract, what the court is likely to do is establish what the actual contract between the parties was. And this isn't the one that was in writing, formally negotiated between the two procurement departments and the suppliers, organizations and lawyers involved. This is the working relationship between the parties that hasn't really been coded. And obviously you may wonder that's a very big handicap. I mean, if my suggestion to you is that you should never deviate from the contract, what else could you do? to make the relationship between a buyer and supplier workable. And that is something we will look upon when we look at the three do's. But for now, we are looking at the don'ts. So let's move on to don't three. This one is slightly philosophical, but I do believe it's got a place. What I would say is you shouldn't be prejudging your supplier at the first instance of a problem. Something that happens when you outsource work to a supplier is some of the people involved in supplier management can only prove their worth if they can pick upon something that the supplier hasn't been doing well. So effectively, the if the supplier is well performing, delivering everything on time, has a few issues, but you understand the reason for those issues. And there's no real reason for the existence of a supervisory function, then often characterizing anything that goes wrong in very emotive language can become basically an exercise of someone trying to prove their worth. And again, I don't want you to prejudge what might be the real problem here. All I'm asking is to keep an open mind that the real issues may not be as damning as how it initially appears. So in summary, point three is about postponing judgment until you have established what the real issues are on any matter in the program. Now that we have looked at all the don'ts in the program, let's look at the do's. On this, the first point I will say is to focus on developing a respectful relationship with your supplier. I think there is no kind of substitute to just being polite, courteous and respectful with each other when you are in a relationship as a buyer and a supplier. In fact, I would go so far as to say if both sides just maintained these fundamental ways of dealing with each other, they would be fulfilling their share of the bargain in terms of managing of maintaining relationship with the other. Now, it's important to remember that in a program, there are several touch points of the organization. So effectively, every member of your team is very likely to have a counterpart in the suppliers organization. So the best thing you can do to build good relationship with your supplier is to just agree some ways of working that can pervade across everyone in your organization as also the suppliers organization on some shared values and shared rules of engagement with each other. So point number two on the list of things to do is to not lose sight of the relationship impacts when you are negotiating contracts with the other side. Now, if you think about the contract drafting and negotiating team, most organizations would have either a lawyer or a contracts manager driving this engagement. Now, the objective of anyone leading a contract negotiation exercise is to do their best to protect their side's interest in the commercial contract that will be agreed. It's very easy 
for the relationship to take a back seat. So if you as a program director care about the relationship or are concerned that something your organization is asking of a supplier can actually drive wrong behaviors, then it's very important that that is spelled out very openly to your side. A lot of internal negotiation is required before you present your collective view to the supplier. Some buyer organizations would very naturally gravitate towards taking the most conservative or the most defensive position in the language that they have in their contracts with suppliers. I think it can come to bite you because quite often suppliers will not be able to stop you from having that clause in because the stakes are too high and if you've just been negotiating contracts as part of a procurement exercise, there's a real risk that an alternative exists to you using that supplier. So no supplier would want to give away the chance of working with you. However, what that means is you end up with a contract that the supplier already thinks is loaded with risks as far as they go, which drives a set of behaviors that may not really be conducive to a healthy program relationship that you might be seeking to establish with them. I mean, to give you an example, this was one of the organizations I worked for and we used external lawyers at the time and they advised us to use a liquidated damages clause in the contract. This was essentially because the program had been previously delayed by other suppliers and they thought the best way to protect the buyer from further delays from this new supplier is to embed those liquidated damages clause. Now the suppliers obviously resisted and in my personal view their objections were reasonable which was that not everything that leads on to the completion of their milestones is in their hands. So how could they sign up to these coverall liquidated damages clause for things that they couldn't fully control? We'd almost reached an impasse when the program director stepped in and suggested if there was some kind of an earn back mechanism that could be put in place so that if things recover to the satisfaction of the buyer, then the supplier could be able to recoup some of those lost damages through the liquidated damages clause. And this was something that buyers could agree with because it was also driving the right behaviors in the program in terms of giving suppliers an opportunity to improve things and also allowing both the buyer and the supplier to recognize if certain things had gone astray because of factors beyond the supplier's control. So that's it for point number two. In summary, point two is about making sure that whenever you're negotiating contracts with the other side, you are taking relationship impacts into account. And the final thing is just for you to be aware that Relationship is not just a loose term when it comes to relationship between a buyer and a supplier. There are actually ISO standards around collaborative relationships between organizations and the particular ISO standard is 44001. So there will be organizations or suppliers you deal with who might either be aspiring to be ISO 44001 certified or are already ISO 44001 certified organizations. So if your suppliers happen to be ISO 44001 aspirants or certified organizations, you would do well to get the relationship between your organization and the suppliers to be recognized by the supplier as a relationship that will be governed 
by their ISO 44001 certification. Essentially, if the supplier recognizes that this relationship that they have with your organization is strategic and intended to be collaborative, then you would benefit from a number of best practice around relationship management that the supplier would bring to the table. So these are things like a collaboration charter, these are things like a shared risk register, and many more things. What this will give you is a supplier who is putting on their best behavior because the stakes of poor behavior are extremely high. They could either not achieve the 44001 certification that they have invested in, or they have the risk of not being able to maintain it because their relationship standards with you fell short of the official 44001 standard. So it's quite a tactical measure, but one of the things I have learned from my time in procurement is there's a lack of awareness about ISO standards on the buyer side of programs, but I know that many suppliers do aspire to be certified in ISO standards, and this is one neat trick that you could employ to your advantage, and should I say mutual advantage. With that, I come to the end of this episode and also the end of this series. I hope this was enjoyable to listen to and also has provided you with some things that you can take away and apply to your programs. I may not have asked for this before, but if you are a regular listener of this show, I would be grateful if you could take the time to leave us a review on any of the devices that you listen to this on. I think we go live on Apple iTunes as well as Podbean as well as Spotify. And finally, if you have any suggestions for what future themes should look at in respect of this podcast, please feel free to drop me a line. My email address is amit at mindfulcontract.co.uk. Hope to see you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's this week's episode of the Commercial Matters Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.